Mind a little, not our thoughts. I'm your host, Siona Vikram. From when we are born to when we grow up, enough to get a job and see money. Normally, our parents keep us protected from the many dangers we might face. While that is really nice, most parents think it's best to keep us guarded from money matters too. They hope we will learn it on the go when we start earning. While it sounds great, it probably isn't that great in reality. My guest today is a strong advocate of this very fact. She is trying hard to bring to the notice of parents and children why being more aware of money is super important to lead a comfortable and sustainable life. We have with us Dr. Mara Harvey. Mara has a doctorate in political economy and does everything in her power to promote financial literacy for women, children and girls. She is an internationally sought after speaker. One of the original leaders at the A Effect in Switzerland, she is generous in sharing her knowledge. Hello, Dr. Mara. Hello, Siona. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks and you're welcome. This interview is going to be divided into two topics, the basics of finance and how sustainability has great relation with finance. Let's start off with the basics of finance. So what got you writing about finance for kids? Well, the journey started because I stumbled across two pieces of research that seemed to be really, really important to me. The first showed that there are pay gaps in children's pocket money by the age of 10. And this has been researched in many countries. And it just shows that the girls are getting less money than the boys already very early on in life. So we know that uh, as adults, we are fighting against pay gaps in the workplace. And so I wanted to figure out, well, how do we prevent this from even happening for children? And the second piece of research that really motivated me to want to start educating children very early was an analysis that shows that an adult's attitude towards money is actually shaped by age seven, which is much earlier than most parents think. We think often that by age seven, kids don't really need to deal with money or learn about money. They're still kids. They should be kids. And yet that very early childhood period is so important to set a strong foundation in the way you perceive and you deal with money for the rest of your life. Yeah, that is kind of true because it's probably around the age of seven. That's when I got my first piggy bank and I actually got to know the actual like what is money how to count money and uh, how to save it in a piggy bank that's actually so important so we need to teach kids first and foremost where money comes from right kids learn very intuitively what money is for so the spending part is pretty easy right 
Kids have got yeah. that figured out super early on. But what isn't so obvious, if you ask children, what is money and where does money come from? Mm-hmm. It's difficult to often give an answer to that. Where exactly does money come from? How is money created? And so understanding the dynamics of earning is really, really important. It's important because so many parents say, oh, my kid doesn't appreciate the value of money, right? As soon as they receive some pocket money, they just go out and spend it all. And this is very typical for children who have not been confronted with having to earn any pocket money early on in life. So earning is the fundamental basis to understand money. Then, as you rightly mentioned, saving. So we need to understand that saving is all about prioritizing things that we want to do in the future. That might be next week, it might be next month, it could be some years from now. So saving for different time horizons is what we want our kids to learn as early as possible. I would argue that beyond the ability to save and beyond learning delayed gratification, right? So I'm not going to spend all my money now. I'm going to keep some of it for later. We also need children to understand that money can work for you. It's not just about putting money aside and having it in your piggy bank. That's a great start. But your money in a piggy bank can't grow. So what is it that we need to do for your money to actually grow as you grow, right? So that when you're grown up, your money's grown up too. Mm -hmm. In your books, I read that you should put your money in a bank account, especially a savings account. A savings account is an account which gets you interest, which is nothing but a reward money, the money that a bank gives you. Like I'm borrowing your money to hand out a loan to some company or business. So to um, compensate for that lost money, I'm going to give you this much more money. Absolutely. So if you have a savings account that has a positive interest rate, that means the bank is paying you to keep your money with them. Because as you rightly said, with the deposits that people bring to the bank, banks can lend money to other people, which they could not do if they do not have deposits. The good news is you don't need to worry about your money disappearing. It's got to always be there safely on your savings account. But the bank will reward you for that. And it's very important because that little amount of interest will grow every year. And especially if you don't touch it and you just let it work for you over years and years and years as you grow up. It's what we call compound interest. So the interest on your money also earns interest. And I think the really important thing that we need people to know, children and adults alike, is that, you know, at school at some point, children do learn about exponential curves. That's a curve that is very flat for a very long time, and then it starts going up quite steeply. It means that if you start saving today, it's probably going to take you 10 or 20 years to start seeing the real effect of compound interest, the real curve picking up, and you see that your money is then actually growing more rapidly. But it takes a lot of time. But that is the biggest asset that children have, the time ahead of them. So we need to start early. We need to give kids the opportunity to benefit from that time so that by the time you're 20 or 25, all of your savings have already been working with you. Otherwise, you're wasting 20 years of your life if you only start saving and investing your money by the time you're a grown up. So the earlier you start, the more you benefit. 
If you're saving your money and you receive a positive interest rate on your savings account, your money is growing over the time and your money is safe over time because it's deposited on your savings account. However, if you are investing your money, that means you're buying shares of companies, right? So you own a piece of a company. Now that company might succeed, but it might also not succeed. So when you're investing, you're actually also taking the risk that you could lose money. If you buy, for example, an Apple share, everybody knows Apple. Uh, that means you're buying a little piece of the company Apple. Now, if Apple does well, that share will increase in value, but that share could also decrease in value. And it also can just depend on what the overall economy is doing, not just how the business is doing. And that's what we call stock market volatility. So it goes up and down. Now, the good news is that if you have a diversified investment, and that means that you're not just buying one share, you're buying a portfolio of lots of different companies. You can do that through an yeah. index or through an ETF, an exchange-traded fund. Over a long period of time, and for children, we're talking 10, 15, 20 years, right? You don't need to touch that money before you're grown up. It means you have the benefit of a long time horizon that allows you to take the risk that it might be volatile. So it might fluctuate from year to year, but over a period of 10 years, it will fluctuate with an upwards trend. And it's a risk that you can afford to take because your time horizon is long. That means you don't, you're not in a hurry to take that money out of the bank. And if you're not in a hurry, it means that even if the market dips, you can just wait and wait until it picks up again. So time is a very, very important factor that works in your favor, whether you are just saving with an interest or whether you decide to invest. And it's such an important thing to know because children have the benefit of time. That's so true. Is spending always related to saving? I would advise that it should be. Now, we are in a world where spending has become easier and easier, right? Yeah. You use a digital device, a mobile phone with a credit card that is basically loaded into your phone, or we use debit cards or credit cards. So we are using less and less coins and banknotes, and we are using digital devices mm -hmm. to do our payments. Yeah. Now, this makes it super easy to pay, right? It's like a swipe and a tap, gone, done. Mm -hmm. But it still takes the same amount of time to earn that money. So we need to be very careful. When you have your pennies and your banknotes in a wallet and you actually have to physically take them out before you spend, you're going to think twice because you're literally going to see and feel that your wallet is emptying. When you're spending digital money, yeah, you see a number on the screen, but it's relatively easy to just go swipe, swipe. I just bought something that was fun. And shops today are making it even easier because they're basically saying, let's say you want to buy something for $100 and you don't have $100. Yeah. They're telling you, well, you could pay it back in uh, small installments of $10 over 10 months. And that might sound great because you feel like, oh, wonderful. I can buy something that I can't really afford, but I just pay it back over time. And I don't have any interest. So it sounds like it's a free loan. Now, we have to be careful there. The first is it's not a good habit to spend money you don't have. 
because debt is always costly. No matter whether companies advertise that you can take a loan that is for free, the reality is that there's no such thing as for free. If you miss even just one of those payments by a day and you don't pay it back on time, the fees they're going to charge you can be horrifically high. So instead of paying $10 back, you end up having to pay, I don't know, a $20 fine on the $10 payment, which is a huge amount of money. And generically, it is just wiser to first save and then spend because it allows you to stay in control of your spending. If you owe money to somebody, you will always be running after somebody else's priorities because they want their money back. Whereas if you have first saved your money before you go and spend it, you are in control of who you give your money to. And staying in control is one of the most important things in life. Yeah. And it's safer to spend money after saving because when you save, you know, like, okay, so I have this much money and I can make a budget of probably quarter of this money or one third of this money and I can go to the shop and I can spend it. And I, I won't overflow so that in case I need my money for some emergency, I still have it. Absolutely. You mentioned a very, very good point, Siona. <laughs> Emergencies. You know, we never know what's going to happen in life. There will be good times and there will be bad times. And the pandemic has shown how vulnerable so many people were because they did not have enough savings to cope with a crisis. And so every young child, every young adult is really well advised to say, before you go out and spend all your money on displays of lifestyle, you know, the fancy clothes, the fancy shoes, the fancy cars, the fancy whatever, it's really, really wise to first build a safety net. This is the kind of thing that nobody talks about on social media. You know, you don't see fantastic posts of people saying, yeah, I saved one month of salary so that I have a safety net. Yay, I've saved two months of salary so I have a safety net. But that's what we would actually need to be seeing because that is good discipline with money. And uh, unfortunately, the only thing we see is, oh, I bought this new dress and I bought these new shoes and I bought this new bag and I bought this new accessory. And it's all fun and games, except it's not. It's really giving kids the wrong message because lifestyle is not the same as building wealth. Building wealth is only done if you're saving your money investing your money wisely, or buying assets that actually generate revenues over time or preserve their value. So for example, if you're buying a house, that's a good spend. Or if you're buying uh, an investment that is going to yield a dividend, that will generate more money for you. But if you're buying clothes and cars, you're destroying wealth, you're not creating wealth. And these assets do not retain their value. That's because the primarily want and not need probably if you're a bachelor who's just starting out and you need a basic mode of transport and all your basic stuff then probably buying a car and clothes would make some sort of sense but buying it just so that you can become some high top instagram model is not really a good idea probably not 
And again, for every Instagram model who makes it and is successful, there will be a million who aren't. So we only see the tip of the iceberg on social media. We only see the very, very few successful people who actually manage to make a living by uh, displays of lifestyle. And uh, for the majority of people, that is just not realistic. But it's also like in sports, you know, when you see famous footballers who are super successful, you know that for every one footballer that makes it to the top, top, top league, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of other young footballers who did not make it, girls and boys alike. So we just need to be realistic about the fact that we first need to take care of our priorities before we let social media make us believe that we need more other things in life. And being able to prioritize that in life is a really important skill set. So whenever you have some money and you're deciding what you want to do with it, it's great to look at a couple of things. First and foremost, I would start with haves. What do I already have? Because very often you want to go and buy some more pens or stationery and so on, where you realize, you know, how many pens does one person need when you've already got like every color there is? Do you need 10 more? So look at the haves, then look at the needs. What is it that you really would need to have and for what reason? When you've covered all of your needs, you look at the wants and say, well, maybe I can afford just to buy some things because I just want them. I don't really need them, but it just is enjoyment in life. And that's important too. And I would add another dimension to that, which is have needs, wants and waste. So whenever we're buying something, we should also think about, is it going to last or is it going to be something that I'm just going to use for a couple of weeks and then get rid of it again? And what impact does that have? I think that's equally important. Yeah, there's sometimes these uh, scammers and all these people and sometimes these things that look really nice, um, maybe for the videos and all the posters and marketing. But then when you actually buy it, it's just something that gets obsolete very quickly. Exactly. And anything that is obsolete very quickly ends up being thrown away. And whether it can be recycled, repurposed, reused is always a very important question. And this is also true for clothing. Um, Many people are maybe not aware that clothing is actually one of the industries that is the highest polluting industry on our planet after oil. So our choices in terms of How long do we keep a garment that we bought? How many times do we use it before we grow out of it or throw it away? It's really relevant for the future of our planet. Yeah, but even if you have to throw it away or something, maybe you could just generate more income, like making a fluffy doll out of it and selling it online. You could just generate another source of income. Exactly. So repurposing things is very, very important. Absolutely. And you can get super creative with that. Or you could just have a little market uh, with other friends where you exchange things or where you hand down the things that you no longer need. They're still good quality and somebody else might be very happy to uh, to use them after, you know, you no longer need them yourself. Mm, that is true. We've been speaking about a lot about shares and dividends and the risk. Investing is obviously irrelevant to kids. So why should we even learn about it then? 
Look, I think it should be relevant to children. I'm conscious about the fact that investing is complex. This is not something a child can do alone. And in fact, banks don't even enable a child to do this alone. You need your parents' involvement. And this then is a question of, do your parents know about investing or do they not? Because if they don't, how are they going to invest your savings? But I think it is important to have that discussion with mom and dad and say, look, I've got some savings and I'd like to consider whether I could invest them and go to your local bank and have that discussion about if I wanted to open a custody account, it's called. So savings account is where you're going to put your savings, but a custody account is what you're going to need if you want to buy shares or other uh, financial instruments and ask them, you know, can I open a custody account for my child? Uh, What does it cost? And it's really just important to have that conversation and to say, instead of just leaving money lying around on a on an, um, a current account where it's not earning any interest, it should at least be on an account where it earns interest. And then ideally, a portion of it can be put into uh, investments uh, which are held for the long term. As I mentioned before, ETFs, exchange traded funds, is a very easy way to get started You can start with a very little amount of money, like you can start with $10 or $20. Again, it's only a question of what are the costs to buy them and the bank can inform you because you don't want the cost to be higher than what you would be earning by investing. But it is relevant for children because, as I said, if you do this for 10 years until you're grown up or if you do it even for 20 years, right, if parents do this for a little baby the day they're born and very often they get gifted money from their relatives, their grandparents and so on, if that money were invested as of day one for a child and just left invested for 20 years, the child would end up having so much more money when they decide to go to university or they want to start out in life. So it really is a gift to a child to consider investing their savings early on. Yeah, definitely. Lastly, what is your advice to kids? So my advice to kids is have a conversation with your parents. Ask your parents, what are they doing with their savings? And what could you be doing with your savings? How can you make it work for you in a way that you're not taking too much risk? You don't want to go and lose it all, but in a way that it is working for you. It should at least be earning interest that matches or exceeds whatever the rate of inflation is, because we know inflation reduces the value of your money over time. So go and annoy your parents a little bit and start a money conversation and say, I want to make my savings work for me. How can we do this? And if your parents don't know the answer, you just say, can we go to our local bank and ask somebody there? Because they will be able to give you answers. You just have to ask the questions. Mm, I guess it was unusual until now that kids would be asking something about finance or Anyone would let that kid even know a thing or two about finance, except how to count pennies. But yeah, I think it's time we kids start getting the knowledge that we need and deserve for our life. Indeed. And that's why it's just important to start asking questions. The answers will follow. Yeah, truly. That was honestly a great conversation, Dr. Mara. I'm amazed by your simplicity with which you are able to get across a complex topic like financial literacy for kids. My pleasure. Thank you.
Thank you for being here and discussing this topic. I can't wait for you to talk about the sustainability goals too in the next episode. With pleasure. Friends, I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but Dr. Mara has written a series of books called Smart Way to Start, aimed to educate children in the simplest form possible. I've read them too. They're truly cute, informative, and above all, essential. You can visit her on her website too. Thanks for time for listening. Bye!